if your people don't value you and don't think that you value them as a person, they're not going to give you their best work. Hi, I'm Nils Vinda, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Colleen Baraclaw. Colleen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. I'm excited to dig in with all things leadership with you, Colleen. But first, would you share with me and our audience the role that you're in today and the company that you work for? Sure. Currently, I am the VP of Operations for North America for a company called Daxtra Technologies. And tell us a little bit about Daxtra. What kind of work and industries and clients do you serve? Sure. Daxtra Technologies is a leader in the HR tech space. We focus on parsing and resume matching, vacancy matching. Customers range from large companies that you would think would probably do their own software, but actually use ours embedded within their own, to small three to five person staffing companies that leverage kind of our premium products from a parsing and matching perspective as well. Wow. Okay. So... You literally serve everybody <laughs> on that all those ends of the spectrum, the super small to the super large. And as VP of operations, give us a little sense of what that entails, given that you have such a wide ranging customer base. So that primarily for me is leading our account management customer success team, along with our implementation team. So when the new customers are brought in by our counterparts in the sales team, they transfer them over to us. We do the integrations and implementations with one section of my team. And then when they finish, the other half of my team picks up from the customer success account management aspect with renewals, troubleshooting, trainings, et cetera. Wonderful. Well, we could talk for days about customer success and account management, but let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about leadership and the path that you took to get to this VP role. So I'm curious, how did you get into your first leadership position? Well, this is actually my first official leadership position here at Daxtra, but at my last company before working here is where I think I really started to get a good grounding of what a good leader looks like when I worked there. Okay. And so let's talk a little bit about what does that mean? You got a good grounding for what a great leader looks like. For me, my first boss at Yo is the company I worked for before at Day and Zimmerman Company. He was great. I was an individual contributor on his team, but he treated all of us as leaders, you know, kind of treat people the way that you want to be treated and what you and treat them how you expect them to behave and perform. So he would start all of his emails to us with good morning leaders or good afternoon leaders. 
And at first I was kind of like, is he talking to me? Am I on the right email chain? Because <laughs> for the most part, everyone else on his team was a team lead or a VP or director. And I was probably the only individual contributor on his team. I once asked him, I was like, are you sending that to me? And he was like, yes, you are a leader here. You are important. Your decisions matter and how you interact with other people and how you perform with other people is how they're going to treat you and how they're going to perform themselves. So I always thought that was very powerful for me and to kind of see myself in a different light because I hadn't been a team leader manager before. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I can, maybe I can do this. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's just that goes to show you how one, the high blank, one word completely changed how you looked at your role within the organization. And that sounds incredibly powerful and is something so simple that, you know, it's possible to do that at any point. I think it's a really great piece of advice that address people how you want them to feel because they will associate a meaning to that word. And just like you did with the leaders. Yeah, he was great. I learned a lot from him. Awesome. I'm curious, were there any other tidbits or nuggets of advice that you picked up from that experience that helped shape your grounding and what it means to be a great leader? I think it goes without saying listening. I am a talker by nature, so I have to really consciously not try to problem solve everything and allow people to come to me with solutions. Sometimes I would sit in a meeting with him and I would say, oh, this is, this is a passport, et cetera, et cetera, and have all of these great ideas. And he would look at me and I, and I know that he probably already had a plan in place, but he gave me the opportunity to share my ideas. A lot of the times they were melded in together with his ideas, but he didn't just come in and say, this is what's happening and execute my vision, execute my plan. It was more along the lines of, well, as leaders, let's discuss together what the best path forward is. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned you're a talker by nature and appropriate that we're doing a podcast (laughs) to me about your experience. So I'm thankful for that. And you mentioned that, you know, you have to put energy and effort into not always, you know, leading with the answer or not always being the one to talk. And I'm curious if you could share any advice with someone who is in a similar situation, who perhaps is also a talker by nature, but based on your experience, what you learned at this previous company, what you learned in your current role, what kind of advice would you share with someone who is a talker by nature, but knowing that talking all the time isn't necessarily going to be the most productive because we want to let other people do the same. Right. So talker, fixer, if I see something, I'm going to try to fix it. As a leader, you sometimes need to let other people fix or try to fix. And then you don't want them to fail, but you have to allow, to be there to pick them up a little bit. But you have to kind of start asking a lot of ask them questions. And sometimes they'll lead themselves to where you want them to be in that regard. So asking a lot of questions. Why do you think that's the case? What what leads you to that conclusion? Have you used that with other customers before? What was the outcome with that customer? Did that work? You know, what didn't work well that you could do differently this time, but not so hard, more, much more conversationally when I'm talking to my team. I try not to be programmatic in that regard. Yeah, uh, those are fantastic questions. And what I picked up on there is almost every single one of those was an open-ended question, was not a yes, no, right? It wasn't are you doing this or 
can't you just do this? It was, what have you considered already? What were some of the other experiences you went through with other customers that might be similar? And I think it's a really powerful way to open up the discussion and dialogue because people have ideas. Sometimes we just don't give it enough airtime <laughs> to let yeah. them talk. I would say this though, that sometimes like when you go to your manager or leader, you are just looking for the answer. Like you don't want to have to work that hard to get it. You just like, I know you know the answer. Just like send me the link to where the answer is. And so you have to kind of be able to balance between the two because you want them to be able to efficiently and effectively move through their day. And in our case, oftentimes it's getting an answer to a customer, to close a deal, get a renewal. Um, any of those things are could be mission critical for our customers. So you have to be able to kind of balance which ones you can lead them to help them find the answer, or you can just kind of say, here you go, da 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 off you go and you marry away, get that over to the customer. Okay, so that's a really interesting point, and I'm really glad you brought that up, because there is a fine line. And I'm curious where you draw that distinction, and I'll share a funny anecdote story after you share, because I've experienced this a number of times, but where do you draw that line between what do I want to go down the path of helping them to discover the answer versus what you know is really qualifies in the bucket as okay this is it it's just as straightforward as a link or a location or something else what's what's the deciding factor for you for me it's going to be the criticality when it comes to our customer and what they're experiencing at that moment i don't want our customers to have to suffer is the right word or have a delayed response from us because I'm trying to have this like metaphysical conversation with someone and say, let's help you figure it out yourself. You know, we have to save those types of conversations for when maybe it's more of a informational based question. Like a client's like, how do I do yada yada? Not it's a broken, fix it now type of a solution. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. And I think it helps paint a little bit of color around, you know, when to engage in a more coaching type of conversation where you're helping someone to discover the answers and when to just give a direct answer, because there is an appropriate time for both. The funny anecdote, sorry, I mentioned that. No, go. I can't wait. <laughs> been a leadership coach for a long time. I've taught how to use, you know, coaching skills in a business capacity. And I ran a workshop for a very large group over a day and a half, and we were going deep on the coaching skills. And one of the individuals raised his hand and asked the question and said, yep. And he said, all right, so let's say the scenario is this. Someone asked me, where's the restroom? Do I reply with, what have you tried already? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, okay, you know, let me just take a step back. And, that was, you know, there's a fine line and they're not going to say, well, you know, what options have you considered to find the restroom today? You know, it's just, it's down the hall and on the right. I would say one other thing just kind of in that same vein that I think I think is helpful. I guess I have to ask one of the people that work for me if they think it's helpful, but it's standard practice to have one-on-ones and but my one-on-ones are driven solely by the attendee. So I have no agenda. If I have something I want to talk about with someone, I schedule a separate meeting with them. I don't use it for their time with me. And if their time comes up on Thursday morning and they don't have anything they need from me. They don't have anything they want to shoot the, you know, what with, with me, which I also tell them, I said, you know, we're all very busy. Sometimes we don't even have a chance to connect and say, how are your kids? What's happening? How is your vacation? You know, what's, what's the latest? Let's get a cup of coffee and just especially over zoom these days, you know, and just have a chat. 
if they want, or it can be conversations about work-based stuff, whatever it is, it's driven by them. And if they don't need anything from me and they're busy working on something else, then we just don't have the meeting. It's totally up to them. Nice. And how often do you find that they actually cancel the meeting versus engage in some form or fashion? Just curious from a overall perspective. It's very clear to me, the delineation in teams. So my engineers, solutions, IT engineers, very, very rarely actually have the meeting. (laughs) Whereas my customer success success account managers, they almost always do. (laughs) And the personality traits kind of fall in there a little bit. (laughs) It's a bit stereotypical, but in this case, it it fits, it tracks. That makes sense. But you make the option, the option is available to sit down with you one-on-one. And I like that you you put the onus on the individual to drive the agenda and, and to help 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 them help themselves ultimately. You know, what how can I serve you best and what do you want to get from me? And that is different than just showing up and expecting your the person you report to to dump a bunch of stuff on you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If I'm gonna dump stuff, I'll let you know in a separate meeting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is a very good way to separate what goes on in the one-on-one from the other stuff. Because it's hard when, you know, one week you have a great career level kind of type of conversation where somebody wants to go, um, or a deep personal connection, and next week you just dump a bunch of stuff on them. They're like, What is the point of this meeting? I don't get it. Right. And it can create a lot of confusion. So I love that you break those two up and separate them out. Yeah. And I also always try when I am putting a meeting on someone else's calendar to say what the meeting is for, because in past lives, I hated when somebody, especially a manager, right, would say, I want to speak to you Tuesday at nine. Like if it's Monday morning, you're like, what are we going to talk about? Am I getting fired? Like what's happening? You know, I can't, I can't think of anything I've done wrong, but like, is there something I've missed? Like, What's happening? So I always try to be like, we're going to discuss X, Y, and Z, so that there's none of this non-productive day because they're just worried about what's what's the meeting about. I mean, isn't it fascinating that the first? I mean, that would have been the knee-jerk reaction almost any time when if your boss just happens to put on a meeting on your calendar, and what's the first thing we think of? Am I being fired? <laughs> like, you can't live with that like that. <laughs> no, just just can't. So I I appreciate the fact that you put the time and effort into setting the agenda just to make it clear, number one, what are we going to talk about? And that helps the meeting, but two, to relieve any potential assumptions that are made as a result of nothing factual based, just pure fear. (laughs) And you know, nobody's getting anything done for that time period either waiting up to that meeting. So (laughs) it really doesn't serve anybody, but the extra few minutes you put into the agenda, you know, there you just saved an entire day's worth of productivity. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Okay. Those are some excellent tips and suggestions on the listening piece, asking powerful questions, one-on-ones, and separating out the context and the things when you need to do separate work as opposed to saving a sacred place for shooting the you-know-what, just talking career stuff, talking how I can help you, but being driven by the employee. Excellent piece of advice. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. 
You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. So now I want to shift gears to more in the Dextra times that you've been there. And I know that you guys have undergone a lot of growth and whatnot in the United States and was wondering what, if you could share a little bit of your perspective on being the first female executive in the United States for Dextra and what that experience has been like. Well, it's been great. Honestly, Dextra is a great company to work for. I will say that when I first started, it was a very, very small team here in North America. And it is a fairly small team to this day, but it has grown for sure. There was a part-time office assistant that was a woman. And then there was me. I was hired as you know account manager as a woman. And that was it as far as <laughs> the female quotient was considered. So that was interesting. And at previous jobs, that was not the case. There was you know a good mix of people. And here there wasn't. And I found myself being in situations and totally unconsciously by my colleagues as well, because they're, they were great. They are great. But, you know, you'd be in a meeting and you would say something. And I know that <laughs> we hear it all the time, but it's, it's absolutely true that sometimes a male colleague will repeat basically what a woman has just said. And everyone goes, Oh, that's a great idea, Steve. You know, <laughs> right after you said it. Yeah, exactly. And you're over here going, that is exactly what I just said. And, you know, it took me a little bit to getting to know the people that I worked with and building up some rapport and some respect, I think. But I eventually started just saying to them, because we're a small team, right? It's not a big corporate office building, which might be a little bit different type of situation. But I said, you know, I literally just said that. And they were going, no, you didn't. And I was like, yes, I did. I just said X, Y, and Z. And then the look on their faces sometimes would be like, oh, I, she did just say that. I did it in a very jovial way, not really aggressive, I don't think. But I did start calling them out more and more about it. And sometimes some of them would do it on purpose just to have a, like a joke. And then we would laugh. But we all acknowledged that it was you know, my contribution to the conversation, et cetera. And it doesn't happen much anymore, to be sure. Okay, so that's fascinating. When you're in, you know, an environment, being the only female, you said things during meetings, and then it was repeated from a male person's point of view just a minute or so or immediately after. And the only thing that changed and why it doesn't happen anymore now is that you spoke up and said, no, that's exactly what I said. So I'm curious about when this first started happening. And I imagine it was probably a pretty challenging situation, perhaps even a little intimidating. How did you find the courage to speak up the first time and say, you know what, that's actually exactly what I just said? Because that can be a really tough thing to do, especially the first time, you know, after that, it might get a little easier. But the first time, my gosh, how did you find the courage to do that? Honestly, I think I was probably just angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't believe this is happening again. And probably in a moment of frustration, I said it, but in a chitty chatty way, which is my nature, take it for what it is, you know, I kind of called them out on it a little bit. But I think what led me to that point was a, a level of frustration that I really couldn't sit with anymore. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, great and awareness for anybody listening to this was in a similar situation. You know, anger can be a, a fuel 
right? We can use it as fuel, but I love how you demonstrate a high level of emotional intelligence that even though you were aware that you were angry, you channeled that into a constructive way to get the end result that you wanted, which was awareness that this is not okay and not something that needs to continue. And that is sometimes the trickiest part because if you, if you had just blown up and said, gosh, I cannot believe you guys and just yelled at him and said, you did, delivered the same message with anger, it probably would have been met in a very, very different way. I'm sure. As opposed to, as you said, they took a step back and were like, oh, wow. But Neil, then that's not just like a woman saying to a man something like that. Like if, if somebody was yelling and aggressive and upset about something to me, I would be like, I'm not listening to you right now because all I hear is anger and I'm not actually hearing or listening to what you're saying at this point in time. So there's a lesson, both sides of the house, if you will. Absolutely. And, and it is then the delivery that our message is either heard or rejected. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Right. And as you just said there, if, if you do anything coming across in a confrontational or angry way immediately gets them. Yeah, I don't really want to be part of this right now. If that's not your predisposition to love being in that situation, which for some people it is, some it isn't. But in this instance, you know, I just love the fact that you use the anger to give you the courage to say, stop. And, and it stopped. And how would you describe the relationship in these, you know, meetings that happened today? I know this happened previously, but oh, we're talking like six, seven years ago at this point. But yeah, this is a long time ago. Yeah. But it laid the groundwork for a lot of the work that you did do and ultimately getting to VP role as well. And how would you describe the relationship and with these teams and others who have been there for that long today? I think that speaking up for yourself, but in a respectful manner, like not even that these people were necessarily my managers, but my colleagues as well, just bodes well for mutual respect moving forward. And just having them, hopefully, and I, and I do think that this is the case now where they will listen to me when I have something to say. And I don't know if it's, I don't think it's the VP title because we have a lot of other executives around the world. And, you know, we kind of have good conversations in regards to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. And just incredible advice that, yeah, you can might be in some really challenging situations and, you know, feel in a situation just like you were, just like Colleen was explaining here. And anger is going to be there if you're in a similar situation. But the question is, how are you going to use it? Right. And you used it to channel, to turn into courage, to be able to speak up and say, you know, no. And then other ways may not have been as productive, but that's just a, just a great highlight of how important it is to be able to become aware of what you're angry about, number one, and then number two, use it in an appropriate way. I also think that the culture here at Daxtra allowed me to feel comfortable in that. I know not every place is like that, but that is something here that I felt comfortable saying to people like, hey, put my hand up. You guys know you're doing this? Like, you literally just said that. And not every place is like that. So there's definitely other ways to go about it. I mean, I've, I've read a lot about it because, you know, being a woman in the corporate world, you have to kind of be aware of these things and how perceptions can be shifted if necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, a really great point you bring up that the culture facilitates sometimes whether or not you can do these things, right? Would you share a little bit more about how that culture exists and what what is at the core of that, the beliefs, either values or just the way the company operates that is unique to Dextra? 
I think it's that it has a very, you know, we've been around for over 20 years, year over year, increased revenue, no outside venture capital money ever needed or required, which I think just says so much about the business as a whole. But despite its longevity and profitability and success, it still has a very much startup mentality, which allows, and it's a very horizontal in a um, org chart matter. I mean, there's my team, there's me, then there's the owners of the company. We don't have this big stratification, which some people thrive on, you know, those promotions of manager, senior manager, director, senior director. We don't have that here. It's really, I mean, you can reach out to anyone that you need to reach out to and no one ever slaps your hands and says, you shouldn't have talked to that person. And so I think that's what helps have those types of conversation here and give people the confidence to say those types of things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I mean, just one congrats on the progress of being around for 20 years, never having taken outside investment money and still maintaining a really positive, incredible culture as you described it here. Okay, Colleen. So last question here. If you could travel back in time, knowing everything that you know today and, you know, sit down, have a conversation with yourself, perhaps let's take it from that point of, we'll go back to the very first job we were talking about where your uh, boss was an incredible leader and treated you as a leader. And you could sit down with your younger self and share some advice. What advice would you share? That's a good question. Think about that for a second. Hmm. <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones because it, it brings a lot of things into focus when you distill a long period of time down to a couple critical nuggets. And it's, it's always fascinating what people come up with. I don't know how this appropriate is for a leader or not, but I, I've learned this along the way. I mean, you know, we're talking like 15, 20 years ago now to my younger self, I would say, you don't have to hang with whomever you think the big guns are. Do you know what I mean? That that makes sense. You can make your own decisions and have your own path. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing. And at least in at times I felt, you know, if everybody was going out to dinner, I had to go out to dinner. If they were going to go out to drinks afterwards, I had to go out to drinks afterwards to make sure that I was around for whatever those conversations might be. I had FOMO beyond belief, you know, 20 years ago. And now at this point, I'm looking back and going, I didn't need to do that. My work spoke for itself as I moved up and took on more and more responsibility. It had nothing to do with that aspect of what I thought I needed to do. And it was a waste of effort and energy. And I would tell myself, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Stay home, relax, do something you want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you're going to be spending a lot of time at work and with these people anyways. And it's important to kind of have that separation a little bit. And I think that would have served me better sooner and having a good work-life balance because it's mission critical for me now as a mom to have those boundaries. And it is something that I still struggle with, you know, not picking up the phone. I mean, I always do. I'm still working on that, to be honest, but I'm trying. <laughs> so that would be one thing I would say. And the other thing that I would say that nugget for myself, I guess, would to remember as you're moving forward to lead with your head and your heart. I think that what makes a good manager is that you, you know, you have to obviously keep your eye on the bottom line. But if your people don't value you and don't think that you value them as a person, they're not going to give you their best work, which is then not going to trickle down to your bottom line. So being interested in who they are and what their passions are 
and contributing to that and remembering it and asking questions. I think that's critical to success, not just as a leader, but as a team player and a colleague. Yeah. Wonderful advice. I mean, people are people, right? We forget that sometimes <laughs> in our in the grand scheme of all our work and daily lives that go on. But at the most basic level, people want to connect with other people, right? And I love what you said about just giving yourself the space as well and not having the FOMO. And especially now, like getting towards the we'll call it the latter part of the pandemic for whenever anybody is listening to this episode in the future, um, because it's going to change, right? But events are coming back, right? And travel is coming back. And it was really interesting for two years where it just was not even a consideration. There was no FOMO or very little because nobody was doing it. But now that it comes back, all those FOMO feelings could potentially come back. And uh, you know, love that advice you would give to yourself that it's okay to say no. It's okay to put other things in priority first above that just because you might miss a conversation or miss some context. And you just be confident in who you are and what you're doing. If it's important enough, it'll come around during the workday. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Well, Colleen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your background and your stories and your experience and your wisdom with us. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to see all the great things that you and your team at Daxter are doing in the future. Thanks, Neil. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.